Welcome to the podcast of the preaching ministry of LifePoint Church, led by Pastor Lane Harrison. We pray this ministry is a blessing for your life. For more information about LifePoint, please visit lifepointozark.com. For more information and resources from Pastor Lane, please visit mlaneharrison.com. Okay, let's go to Matthew chapter 5. It'll be in verses 13 through 16 today. I want to talk to you about living as salt in life, the Christian purpose in all of life. Let me begin by reading the passage, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, and then we'll continue with the message. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. May God bless the reading, the hearing, the understanding, and the obeying of his word today. Well, today's passage does something that I uh, uh, feel very passionate about wanting to do for us. Uh, As we conclude the summer, as we launch into our fall schedule, and as we draw to a close this conversion sermon series that we've been studying throughout the summer, it actually kind of extends from last summer. So last summer we walked through a series called Be and what it means to live in Christ. And we studied the uh, Beatitudes of Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. And then this summer we came back and we began in May with verse 17 of Matthew chapter 5. And we walked all the way through the end of chapter 7 and we were talking about what it means for your life to be in conversion, like fully converted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ because of his atoning work on the cross as Savior. What I want to do today is I want to come back and I want to connect these two passages of Scripture. I believe that's what Christ is doing for us here in the Word and why Matthew places this passage strategically where he places us. Today's passage, like a link between two chains, brings together the understanding between the Beatitudes that Jesus teaches and the remainder of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, I am the center, the end, the fulfillment of God's law for you, and so you can walk in obedience to God. How do these two things matter in terms of one another? And what I want you to see is that Matthew is, through Jesus' teaching, he is connecting for us here who we are in Christ, our identity, with how we walk by faith and obedience to Jesus' word. You see, if this connection is not made, if we forget these verses, then these become two isolated teachings Number one, this is who we are in Christ, and we're to understand that. and That's what we ought to believe about ourselves because that's what God's Word says is true about us. But that's kind of as far as it goes. And then over here, well, Jesus is the end of the law, so I'm supposed to obey Jesus by faith, and he does that through me, and it's in him, but I'm not really sure what that means completely, but this is what I ought to go and do. And what we end up doing when we separate those two and leave them in isolation is we end up trying to accomplish things for God without the power and the means of God. 
And that is not what God has intended for your life, believer. What God intends for your life is to take these two links of chain and to bring them together into your life so that Christ can live not only for you as he did when he walked on the earth and died for you and rose from the grave that you might have life in him, but as you walk about your life each and every day, the God who is alive and by his spirit inhabits his people and walks with us each and every day. The reality of God in your life can be brought together. That's the link I want to make today. You see, the Christian life is not dependent upon one's own strength. It's not what we go and do for God out of our own power, but rather it is the power of the living Lord Jesus Christ who is King of all, living and working in us every day. And as we make this connection, what you're going to see is God's purpose for your life. When you connect your identity with the truth of God and walking by faith, and you bring these two truths that God teaches us together, you live in the purpose that God has sovereignly ordained for your life. And that's what I want you to see today. The Christian's new identity in Christ and walking by faith and obedience to God's commands is the purpose of God for your life. And that's what Matthew 5, 13 through 16 shows us. You see, sometimes we see this passage and we talk about salt and light being our identity, but God is not teaching these truths. Jesus is not teaching these to be our identity. Well, I am salt and I'm light. That is true, but it's not as our identity, for our identity is determined by the salvation that God has bestowed upon us and that we live in in his blessing. So it says to be the Beatitudes. And sometimes we say, well, being salt and light are the commands that I'm supposed to go do in life. So we go out there, we try to live salty and lighty, right? And, and like we just find ourselves fumbling all over the place, as awkward as that sounds for me to say to you, we feel in the way we're trying to accomplish it in our own strength. So these are neither our identity or our commands to obey, but rather they connect the two in our purpose. Our purpose as followers of Jesus is formed when living out of our identity with Jesus as our source and walking by faith in obedience to his commands, we see what God has purposed for our life. Any other purpose that we live for even if it's these disconnected from one another, is to live contrary to the identity that God has bestowed upon us, depending on some other source than Jesus. And if we walk in disobedience to Jesus' commands, we live counter to God's purpose by substituting our own will instead of listening and obeying His. Salt and light from a faith fueled obedience to Jesus forms God's purpose for the Christian life. And that's what I want us to understand today. You see, this passage is important, but sometimes I think we miss the importance of it by focusing on the details of it. You miss the forest for the tree, 
You've heard that analogy, right? You, something is so right here and familiar that we kind of lose focus on the reason that it is taught. And what I want us to do is I want us to back up and I want us to see why Jesus is teaching that we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world as Christians today and understand God's purpose because understanding salt and light is the easy part. Living as salt and light, well, that's where the challenge comes in. So here's what I want you to walk away with today. Christians glorify God and honor King Jesus when we live a salt and light in the world. The way we bring glory to God and the way we bring honor to King Jesus is when we live as salt and light in the world. And so here's the question I want to set on your mind and set on your heart today as we walk into this. Is your life displaying God's glory in all things when you show up and when you speak up? Is, is, God's, is your life glorifying God? Is his glory on display when you show up and when you speak up? No matter where you are at, no matter who you are with, are you honoring King Jesus as Lord wherever you are and whomever you are with? I want to give you three understandings today about this passage that show its purpose and its meaning for us And it enables us to live out God's purpose for our life as salt and light. The first thing I want you to understand is that salt and light show the impact of a Christian's life on the world. So when we live out of our identity and walk by faith to Jesus' commands, we live as salt and light. That's what Jesus is teaching us here. And the first thing it does is it shows us the impact that our life has on the world. It shows us the impact that God is having not only on us but through us. What does salt do? Well, here's the depth of my understanding about salt. Salt makes things salty. Hopefully you agree with me in that because that is right. Beyond that, you may have a greater understanding than that. Because what does he say? If the salt lost its taste, what is it good for? How many of you go get salt that has no saltiness to it and pepper your food with it? Sorry, that analogy broke down really quick with that word pepper, didn't it? You get what I'm saying. You flavor your food with salt that is salty, right? Why? Because that's what salty does. And if it doesn't do that, it basically just becomes additional chat for the path to be trampled under feet. That's what he says. You know, salt has a wide range of beneficial qualities, and, and even thinking about these uh, provides some help for us. Uh, let me just kind of run through some of them with us. First of all, it enriches what it touches. It flavors, right? And this is probably the most common usage, but I would argue it could potentially be the least potent of its uses. Like, like salt is most commonly used to flavor food in our day and time, but that may be the least potent potent of all of its uses because as we use salt we want to just use the right amount right and the reason we use salt is not so that we can taste salt but now some of you do I've seen the way so you take the lid off and you just do that and go all right now we can eat because like you're addicted to salt but most normal people apply it appropriately so that it draws out the flavor of the food you're enjoying, right? That's what salt does. So it enriches by drawing out the flavor. It preserves. 
We don't get this much because we don't use it this way in our world today. But prior to modern refrigeration, salt was a preservative. It was used to preserve food so that it could last longer to help people. Salt purifies. This is where I uh, uh, so appreciate uh, the, the one defining theme through what salt really does. It purifies, not because it is the healing agent, but because salt draws out the infection so the natural healing process of the body itself can be more effective. It boosts healing, in other words. Salt softens. Living in the Ozarks, you should be familiar with this. Maybe you have a water softener or you've seen the salt uh, at the door uh, of, of many of the hardware stores. And you take that salt and you dump it in your, your salt container and it does its work. And I don't really know how it all works, but what I know is it draws out the hard minerals that are in the water that are destroying like your dishwasher and your sink and you know making those hard deposits and man, putting all that hard stuff into your body. It, it draws out the hard minerals so that the water is literally softened and, and has a better, supposedly, flavor, but also use for it. And then salt also intensifies heat and light. This is my favorite. Can't lie to you. It intensifies heat and light in a fire. Now, if you ever have a fire, if you're like me, I don't encourage this, but I will confess it, and you like to have like bonfires, like large fires, like fires that shouldn't be that large, but they are. Uh, and, and you want it to be bigger than it actually is. You can throw salt in that and it'll like make sparks. It'll shoot light off. And uh, I don't know about you, but I like, um, I, I'm a closet bushcrafter. That means that uh, I could never survive in the wilderness alone, but I like to think that I could. That's what that means. So I watch a lot of TV shows where people are trying to do this. And one of the things I've learned through that is you can take a natural fuel for flame that is found in the woods, dung that is dried, and if you apply salt to it, it will actually cause it to burn hotter and, and brighter. And so it'll be more efficient. It's interesting how it is that salt draws out of everything that it touches, that which is holding it back to accelerate what is naturally going to take place. That's cool, isn't it? In each of these instances, salt flavors, it preserves, it softens, it purifies. It, it is a, an agent used in healing. It intensifies heat and light. But listen, there's one thing about salt you need to understand, and you'll get this. It's only effective when it's applied. If you don't put salt on your food, it's not going to ever work. Ever. I promise you. I promise you. You see, Jesus' point here is not what salt does, but how it is that we impact the world in who we are and what we are doing. That's, Christians are salt in the earth. It's astounding to consider the impact that, that God has ordained for Christians to have on the world when we walk out of Jesus as our source in obedience to him by faith. 
And it's really impossible to fully know all the effect that one is having at any given moment in our life as we are living with Christ. And, and, and I'll just say this, that any of Salt's qualities can be working at any given moment through the Christian life as we walk with Christ. You see, obedience by faith to Jesus' word is the application of the Christian as salt in the world. I've heard a number of theologians over the last few years say it this way. At any given moment, we are typically only aware of maybe one thing that God's doing in our life. It might be just barely hanging on by a thread, or it might be blessing us beyond measure as he pours out his love to overflow through us. He said, but in that one thing that we're cognizant of, God is doing ten kajillion things for the glory of God. All at once in that. Well, he also says that we're the light of the world. Not only the salt of the earth, but we're the light of the world. This is true in so many ways, but two that I want to point out is that, first of all, outwardly, light just illumines for the eyes to be able to see, does it not? It brings clarity. It brings focus. I mean, if you can't see something, you put a little more light on it, it, it comes into clearer focus. And so, outwardly, light dispels darkness and brings clear, uh, clarity by illumination. But, you know, the greatest impact of light well, I say the greatest. Maybe the greatest for us personally at times is not outward, it's inward. Again, if you find yourself in the wilderness alone, uh, like many people I have watched on TV, uh, <clears throat> light has a very powerful effect internally as well. It dispels darkness. It, spells, it dispels the darkness of spirit to comfort the heart, to clear the mind, to think. Friends, if, if you don't believe me, go into the woods on a very dark night where it's not lit by the moon. Take a flashlight, but don't turn the light on at first. Just leave it dark. I promise you, every time I've been in the woods without a flashlight, Sasquatch has been right on my heels I hear him like he's right next to me. And if I weren't flailing just right and running into the oblivion of night, he'd get me. I'm a firm believer in that. But man, when I throw that flashlight on, he's gone. He is scared to death of that light, right? I'm telling you, the light, the light has a way of dispelling the darkness, not only on the outside, but on the inside. It comforts and, and, and it brings a clarity of heart and mind as much as it does to the eyes. But friends, you don't light a light to hide it. That's what Jesus says here. It works in so many ways. It works in so many degrees and levels of life. And it not only helps, look what he says, it not only helps those who lit it and put it on the stand, but it gives light to all that are in its proximity. That's powerful, isn't it? That's powerful. When you think about our life as a light, the Christian who walks by faith and obedience to Jesus lives as a light by shining the light of Christ into the world. And again, at any given moment, these things, we may be aware of one, but I tell you simultaneously, God's using them all in different ways for different purposes. So whether it is by an example of your life for others to see, whether it is the model of your life for others to learn and draw from, or whether it is the witness of your life for others to be able to hear about, by God's design, Christians as salt and light are all of these qualities working at all times because of 
the gospel. Flavoring and savoring, preserving, healing, comforting, heating up, lighting up, softening, illuminating, comforting, clarifying, warming, and dispelling so that others might see Christ in the world. Christian, you have no, zero idea of how big God wants to use your life. I promise you, you've yet to conceive, fathom, or even dare imagine how much God really wants to use your life to impact the world. I think as a pastor, this may be one of the most difficult things you teach people. That God has gifted your life to serve in the church and God has gifted your life through the gospel to impact the world through it. You, not just the people around you, your light, you as salt in Jesus, God has purposed to use your life to make an eternal impact in the world. Yes, in the confines of time, God wants to work in you and through you to alter eternity for people's lives. That's powerful, friends. That's powerful. I'm telling you, we've yet to see the full magnitude of it. But by faith, we believe, and so we receive now, when we understand the impact of Christians as salt and life, now we need to understand the purpose. The impact of salt and light form together the purpose of the Christian life in the world. You see, the impact that God makes in the world by Christians living as salt and light reveals for the Christian God's purpose for their life. I remember a number of years ago, here's a warning, it's a dated illustration. A number of years ago, I read a Mary J. Blige quote. At the time, she was really popular and famous. Some of you are wondering who in the world she is. Well, she was a famous cultural icon, diva, you might say, to immaculate proportion. Uh, uh, probably not near as large as she thought she was, but nonetheless, you know, as most famous people would be. And she captured the sentiment in an interview of so many who claim Christianity when she says, My God wants me to wear blank. And you know, in a moment, uh, when, when we as Christians sometimes see people on big platforms and they claim the name of Christ, and we go, yes, we got a wind coming in this one. We got somebody on a big platform that agrees with us, right? We go, here it goes. And then you hear that and you go, no, no, no. Now I have to apologize for all of that and correct that. That couldn't be further from the truth. You see, it's that kind of prosperity gospel that's ruining the impoverished places of the world. To believe that God is just here to adorn your life with greater worldly glory by greater worldly values is not just a little bit wrong about God. It's a complete perversion of a false idol that has nothing to do with the God of the Bible. Success through worldly value and worldly measurement. Friends, it may be part of God's blessing. And surely God uses wealth and means. He uses material things. But his blessing is so much greater than all of these things. He brings what none of that can. Peace to your life. 
These, these are not God's blessing and they do not define God's purpose for your life. God never purposed the Christian life as a display rack for self, for human, or for worldly glory. The purpose of the Christian life is not to use God for worldly greatness or to use God to show the world how great he can make you. The purpose of the Christian life is to bring glory to God by faith in Jesus Christ, to to have Christ increase as we decrease, to have him live in us as we die to him. This is the gospel. And Christians, whether it is in power, whether it is in beauty, whether it is in strength or whether it is in wisdom, the gospel that brings glory to God is the purpose for our life. For Christ has purposed by God to be uh, uh, in our life divinely displayed for his glory as he desires to work in the world. You see, Jesus... I believe, doesn't bother to explain what it is all that salt does, though we need to understand that. And he doesn't bother to explain all of the qualities that light is accomplishing at any given moment because we get this, we understand this. Salt and light have been inherent to humanity since very, very, very early on. I can't give you an exact date. But the metaphor becomes obvious and it teaches us that all that has become before of what it means to be living in the blessing of God, blessed are those. And what it means to walk with Jesus as the fulfillment of God's righteous demand in the law. That, that no longer the weight of what God demands of us because of his righteousness and holiness. And what the law of God placed upon us to only show us how we were so insufficient to measure up. And Christ satisfied that for us. And to bring these together and to understand, God, I know that in and of myself I am not righteous and I cannot cannot follow your law in the way you demand, but you have not asked that of me. You have perfected that for me. And in Christ Jesus, you place upon my life a righteousness to be purposed in this world that shows a glory that is far greater than me or any accumulation of me, but rather for your good and for your glory. You see, Jesus is applying through the metaphor of salt and light who we are and how we walk by faith in him to live in this world. He connects the identity of a Christian with the life of a Christian walking by faith. And the purpose for the Christian life is to understand the relationship between our identity and our walking by faith and obedience to Jesus Christ. This forms our purpose. We're salt and we're light. And I know we don't always see all that God is doing as we walk this way in the world. But we can trust that he is working because this is what he has said. When you walk by faith and obedience to Jesus, you're displaying the glory of God's redeeming love that makes you who you are. You were dead, but now you are alive. Dead people do nothing to make themselves alive. But in Christ Jesus, the Bible says, you are made alive with God. Born again, Jesus says. That's who we are. 
And when we live in that way, we are demonstrating the redeeming love of God that comes to dead, dry bones and breathes life into them once again. When we are walking by faith in Jesus Christ, we are demonstrating the redeeming love of God because the Bible says we were once orphans, lost because of the fall of sin. But because of God's love, who is the perfect heavenly father, he came to us and he saved us because his compassion and his tender mercy for us was so great. And he made us no longer orphans, but now we are children of God, son of the most high, daughters of the king. That's who we are, friends. And the way we live our life should reflect the one who has made us alive and made us orphans no more, but now sons and daughters of God. Redeeming love. When you live by faith in Jesus Christ and you walk in obedience to him, the way God is using your life is to display the glory of his truth in the world. Truth that doesn't swim in the culture, excuse me, the current of the culture, but truth that swims in the truth of God's word that is living water for us. And you walk in a wisdom and in a power, in a strength and with a beauty that is not your own, but that is put in you by God. Christian, your life is not about you. It's not about what you do. It's about what Christ has done for you and is doing in you and wants to do through you. And obedience to God's word by faith in Jesus makes you salt and light. Why? Because Jesus is the salt. Jesus is the light of the world. Just like John 1, 5 says, every time the light shines in the darkness, it wins. Every time. The darkness has not overcome it. You see, friends, salt and light as Christians is what you are as you walk by faith in obedience to Jesus. Jesus's point is not for Christians to go live salty. Go figure out what you're going to do to live salty. The last thing the world needs is another flavor flav. Again, another aged, outdated cultural illustration. I apologize. I'll have to update this week. Christians produce the effects of salt and light in the world when we walk by faith in obedience to King Jesus, displaying the glory of our Father's redeeming love and the truth of our King's eternal word. This is the purpose for our life, and it is formed when our identity in Christ fuels our obedience to God's commands in his word. And we influence the world to impact them as salt and as light. The third understanding is how do we do this practically? How do we practically apply Jesus' teaching? And here's what I want you to understand. That Christians live as salt and light in one way through evangelism. Through evangelism. Let me tell you what evangelism is. Counter to most people's understanding of evangelism which is this, the absolute scariest thing you could ever ask me to do, Pastor. Uh, you know, they tell us time and time again when studies are done across the mass population, the scariest thing that conjures up the greatest anxiety and fear in the vast majority of people is public speaking. That just tells you how really sick lead preachers really are in the mind because what scares everybody else to death actually fuels us, right? So that, that just gives you some context of what we have to wrestle with. 
but maybe greater fear and anxiety about public speaking is the act of evangelism and sharing our faith. But this one practice connects who we are in Christ to why we walk by faith and obedience to His commands. I want to show that to you as we conclude today. Salt on the shelf and light uncovered is what? It's useless. That's what God says. But do you understand this? That Christian, your faith is is the very life denied when it goes unheard. Like, Like when you don't share your faith with those around you, you're putting your life as salt on the shelf. And your lit life, you're dumping it under a cover. That's what Jesus is saying. You, you're living counter to your identity and you're walking in a will that is opposing to the will of God for you. This is what we do when we, when we fail to share the hope that we have in Christ. We, we release these two truths that God, the truth about us and the truth in us. And, and he's wanting us to bring these together. And have the impact that he has purposed for our life. You see, friends, here's what I want you to understand about evangelism. Touch is required for the impact of salt and light. You put salt on nothing, nothing gets salty. You shine light nowhere, everything remains in the dark. Touch is required for impact. And Christians must touch people's lives to impact their lives. You see, evangelism is the one act that spreads the salt and light of the gospel in the world. Peter instructs in this way in 1 Peter 3, 15, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Obedience by faith honors Christ in our hearts. That's what we say, Christ, I want to honor you as Lord. I trust what you say. I want to walk by faith in you. And it prepares us to give a reason, to make a defense for the hope that we have. The gospel is our only defense. The gospel is our only reason for the hope that we have. We are not an explanation for why God would send his son to die on the cross. I I, I have no nature inherently worthy of that, but because of God's great love that took place, the Bible says. And without evangelism, we cannot be salt and light because there is no touch, there is no engage. And without evangelism, we're just salt on the shelf and light under a basket. But evangelism connects our identity of who we are in Christ by our or with our obedience of why we walk in the way we do and the truth and the glory and the beauty and the strength and the power of Jesus Christ through the gospel and it brings those and and through our life into the reality of time and space where we live each and every day to demonstrate the glory of God to other people and evangelism is that engagement for every Christian as we live as salt and light now the reason that that I want to say this in such a way today is because it's a very real and growing reality in our day and time among Christians I'm not talking about the world at large I'm talking about among Christians we simply don't believe evangelism is necessary anymore actually we do but not to the point where we practice it. Let me, let me tell you about a study that Barna conducted about a year ago on 
on evangelism. They began the study by simply stating that they believe evangelism is a mandate from Jesus for every Christian. But then they went to highlight some beliefs that Christians hold that they saw from their study. And the first belief that they share is that 95 to 97 percent of Christians said they believed being a faithful witness was inherent to what it meant to follow Jesus. Not only that, but for anyone who was not a Christian and became a Christian, they believed that was the absolute best thing that could ever happen to their life. And to that, we would all say, amen. And where are the other 3 to 5%? What are they thinking? But then they asked this question. Is it wrong to share your personal beliefs in hopes that you will persuade others to come to that same personal belief? And listen to these statistics. 47% of those in the millennial generation, 27% in the Gen X generation just before them, and the older generations before that, almost 20% said it is absolutely wrong for a Christian to share their faith in such a way to persuade others to come to faith in Christ. Hey, we're just taking a measurement of the church. We're not measuring the world. By those measurements, at least 30% of you sitting in the room believe it would be absolutely wrong for anyone to try and persuade another to become a believer in Jesus and follow him. That's what that statistic tells us if you generalize or if you standardize them. Friends, the Christian life is purposed to share the gospel persuasively, to see others come to faith in Jesus. Listen to the eternal wisdom of God in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures soul is wise. Evangelism is a Christian living wise as salt and light in the world. Now I want to direct your attention back to this card for just a moment. Some of you were here and were able to attend our pie fest back in the spring. That was not just a catchy name for dessert that we were going to have a competition based over, but it was an introduction for our church to an intentional strategy to equip you to begin to share your faith. I tell you, evangelism is not near as scary as the evil one wants you to believe it is. It is one of the most natural outflows of the supernatural presence of God in your life. And we want to break it down into very sizable proportions. PI is an acronym that stands for Pray, Invest, Engage. We just want you to begin to identify two or three individuals that are already in your sphere of influence, already in your circle of life, that are around you, that you believe God's beginning to impress upon your heart and mind that he wants you to pray for. It may be a need in their life. It may be a concern or a decision they're making. Whatever it is, we want you to be intentional. Write their name down. Put it somewhere where you will see it regularly and just begin to pray for them in your everyday walk of life. You don't have to get on your knees and spend extended periods of time there. But as you go about your life, just begin to pray unceasingly for that individual as God places them on your heart. And as you begin to pray, here's what will happen. It'll begin to prepare your heart for action. It'll begin to release your feet by the gospel to go. It's a first point of connection for us as we connect God's will for our life with walking 
with that will. Invest, that second aspect, is where we bring intentionality to the presence of our life and the relationships in our life. Begin to ask God, God, show me how I can be a servant to these people to show love. We're not asking for any explicit words at this point, but in the midst of the people that God's placing on your heart, just begin to ask, how can I be love from God to them? Can you serve them at work in some way? Can you just offer an encouraging word to them throughout the day? Just the intentionality of that can, can do greatly more work than we could accomplish in so many ways. How can you invest your life to serve them and demonstrate, show the love of God? And then E stands for engage. This is where the touch of salt and light begins to impact lives. How can you engage them with the gospel? Can you share the gospel with them? Tell them of how Christ has come into your life and how you recognized your need and how you prayed to receive Christ so that your sins could be forgiven and the peace and the love and the joy of Christ in you. And maybe it's, it's not a single conversation. Maybe it's just a small conversation where they go about asking questions or where you're able to just share a testimony, two sentences at most, and just briefly engage them with the gospel. You can invite them to come to church with you. Invite them to come to community group with you where you know the conversation is going to be centered on Jesus Christ and that'll give you more fodder for the week that follows. Where you can bring the things of Christ up without it being as uncomfortable for you or for them maybe because that's what you commonly experience together in those environments. Friends, all we're trying to do is be salt and light, right? Remove the barriers, to let the work of God flow through you. To bring eternal life into a dead soul. To find an orphan and bring them home to the Father. But you ask God to use you. That's why he's purposed your life, Christian. Let's pray.